Hey, everybody, you're listening to Beyond 1894. This is the official podcast of Louisiana Tech University. Our guest for this episode is Julia Payne. Um, she's got a lot of things to talk about, um, a lot of facets to her. She's a student here at Louisiana Tech, a music industry studies major. She's a senior. Julia, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It is so great to actually be on the show rather than listening to it. Well, we're glad you're a listener. We're glad you're here today to be a guest. Um so let's get into sort of Jalea, the person, a little bit. Um, so like I said, you're a senior, music industry studies. Was that always going to be part of the plan for you? No. Um, I have changed my major five times. Wow. I mean, that's that's a, it's a hard thing to do for a lot of people, but it's a good thing to do to sort of pursue the avenue that you know you want to. Yes. So the only thing that stayed constant throughout all my major changes was that I had music as a minor. And so I started off in computer science, went to biomedical engineering, then biology, then I went to math. I don't know why I did that, but I ended up in music after everything. So what was the switch? Was there like a switch that flipped where you said, I know that music is where I want to end up? Or was it sort of just process of elimination, kind of like you just talked about? It was more like a process of elimination because I knew that I wasn't going to go into business. And I, my mom is in education and she said, that's a bad idea. You shouldn't do that unless you want to teach like high school or college. And so I went into a content field so I could take the praxis that way. And then none of those fields ended up really well. So I ended up in music. Makes sense to me. And it seems to have worked out for you. You've been a part of the Band of Pride, right? Yes. Um, tell us about how that experience has been for you. Oh, I started the band, not my freshman year, but in the middle of COVID. Uh, that was a very interesting choice because we just sat there in the stands and played, but it was still fun. But after that, I went admin. I stopped playing on the field and I did all the paperwork behind the scenes. And now I hold the title of administrative assistant. So I had to memorize all 161 members of the band before they came and make sure they had all their information and can get into the dorms. A lot of paperwork, but it's really nice to meet all those people once you get them face to face. Yeah, the Band of Pride is sort of a community within itself, right? Oh, it's a huge community. All the organizations will go out with potluck. I set up a mentorship program. All the freshmen know each other. All the seniors know the freshmen. Everybody knows everybody. Well, I know we're grateful for what the Band of Pride bring to the atmosphere here at the university. Um, So you've also been in OSL. That was... That was an interesting experience. I loved being at OSL, but I'm going to be honest, I didn't do it like everybody else that was like, I want to be able to do it. No, my friend was like, hey, the auditions are coming up. Do you want to see what the auditions look like just because we're going to try and set up something similar at this camp that we do? And I did. And then I got it. And I was confused. But it was fun. So it was just casual. Just like you you almost kind of accidentally became an OSL. But you made the most of it, right? I'm I the, did. I loved my freshmen. I love them to death. All 96 of my prancing pups. And I try to keep in contact with them as much as possible. You got to kind of let them be and, and go out on their own into the wilderness sometimes. They're prancing sometimes, pups. They're going to go prance around. <laughs> um, so what was, as far as being an OSL and sort of um, helping bring these students, we've had some OSLs on the podcast before, and they talk about, not, maybe nurturing is not the best word, but bringing these students up in their transition to tech. You're local. You're from Ruston, right? I am. So what's it like? A lot of the students from the area end up coming here. What's it like sort of being a part of bringing those other students from your community into the tech life? The best part about that is um, they, they know who I am. And so 
I'm going to be a bit more honest mm-hmm. than someone who came from like Dallas or California or someone like that. And so me being as honest saying, hey, it actually is super easy to get to downtown or, hey, these professors are really good because they went through the same educational system that I did. So I'm probably going to be pretty honest saying, hey, this professor is like this teacher we had for this class. If you took that class and you liked it, probably take this professor. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's sort of a, a more intimate connectedness that maybe someone, like you said, outside wouldn't quite get. Um, so let's go back to your major a little bit. Um, music industry studies uh, is newer here. It's a newer major that we have. What is sort of your your ultimate goal or plan with that major? Do you have one? I do. So it's an open-ended major. So if you wanted to create beats or be a songwriter or be able to be an artist manager or something like that, you can. It's a super open and a major. Like I could take a management class or I could take live sound reinforcement and do the work that our wonderful live sound person here at Tech, Doug Emery does. I took that class, it was a very interesting class. But it's super open-ended. So I wanted to go into video game composition and Luckily, I was the first one, so I got to help start the video game minor and then proceeded to not do it. But <laughs> it it was great because I got to write all this music and I had experience with all these professors that had experience in the field. And it's not like a traditional music school where all you learn about is classical artists and romantic artists. Like my advisor specializes in rock music. The professor that I'm taking the most classes from has a degree in video game and experimental design. My flute professor has a Grammy and she she's a songwriter and she most of her music goes out to Nashville. It's, it's, it's really nice and it keeps you in the know. So as a musician, instrumentally, what has your sort of instrument of choice been like over the years? Ooh, instrument of choice. So I started off on piano when I was like four or five. And I played that till I got to middle school. I kept doing lessons until now. But in middle school, I started playing flute and piccolo. And so by the end of it, I know how to play piano, flute, piccolo, alto flute, bass flute, so many flutes. Uh, And I also learned how to play bassoon randomly in there. (laughs) Um, So as far as BOP goes, you've been flute, right? Yes. Um, And so tell me about sort of the piano flute sort of back and forth transition as far as BOP? Oh my gosh. So for marching band side, it's not too bad because there's other flutes and other things like that. But if they ever need me on the piano side, that sticks me on like marimba and stuff like that. And I promise the other percussionists hate me. They <laughs> hate me on the, on the sidelines. Um, I think <clears throat> the reason I sort of went back to touch on this major is I think uh, we're getting we're getting around to talking about your senior capstone presentation, um, and I don't think that phrase does it justice because it's I'm going to let you talk about it. But um, tell us about rights of the civil. Tell us what it is and sort of where it came from for you. So rights of the civil is an original music that musical that I wrote, and when I first thought about doing a capstone project. We had other students that graduated a little bit before I did that did albums and did concerts and stuff like that. But I'm not a singer. I'm not a songwriter. I can't do that. I can only write for instruments. And so I had to think of something. And I couldn't write large enough for the band, but I couldn't write small enough to have a small concert. 
And so I thought, well, at least since I took all these classes, I can record it and automate it and make everything combine and still put on some kind of presentation. But I didn't want to put on SoundCloud or Spotify because I'm super protective of stuff like that. So I thought I could do a musical because we have a theater apartment right there that has experience with with theater and musicals and props and stuff like that. And our music department's always wanted to have something like that, but it's been too small. So I thought this would be a wonderful opportunity for everybody. And I just loved it when I started. I started back in May. Most musicals take six, seven years Mm -hmm. to make. Why was, so the idea for it, the concept of it, where did that, what made you decide on that? I wanted to partner with an underappreciated department on campus. And one of the newest departments we have is diversity and inclusion, especially with Ms. Devonia. Mm -hmm. We love Ms. Devonia. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I could at least partner with them to do something and something that I don't really see very much often on on campus, especially unless it's the time of year, is black history. If you're not a part of the BCC or Black Student Union, you don't hear about it very much. Even when I went through high school, I barely heard about it. I didn't hear a majority of my black history until I got to college and I had to interact with others. And so I thought this is a great way to involve campus more because that's not something you see very often. What is the process of taking, you know, a civil rights movement and turning it into a musical? The amount of research behind it. I did so much research and in all honesty if you were able to get your hands on my on my uh on my flyer and everything that had all the references and sources i most definitely missed out in a lot of them there there was a folder on my computer that had about 30 40 sources alone not including any of the printed books i bought or how many times i had to contact miss claudette colvin herself or the emmett till society and the martin luther king society on phone calls and zoom calls just to get permission it took a lot of work but it's a great it was a great experience because there's networking and i have to learn how to interact with these people because a composer usually doesn't know what's going on until the last minute, especially for movies and video games and such. And so it was a very good learning process for me. So you had to do your homework is what you're saying. Lots of homework. And I learned a lot. And I was so happy to educate other people on it. So talk about uh, sort of the steps in the process. So, you know, you, you have the idea, you're writing, you're doing your research, you're putting it together. What is it like taking it from an idea inside your head to the stage? The first song I wrote, It's basically my big transition. So the first thing I thought was maybe I should do the bigger moments of the civil rights movement. And so the first song I wrote was based off of Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. It includes a portion of the speech. Luckily, the speech is in the public domain. And so it wasn't too bad to ask for permission to do that. But after that, when I continued to talk to my advisors and professors and the Department of Diversity and Inclusion, they said, why not include lesser known moments? Because anybody can do a quick Google search on Dr. King or Miss Rosa Parks. And but, everyone has some in their head already, too, from what they've learned. Right. Yeah. But how many people know about Claudette Colvin, the 15-year-old who started the bus boycott, but they did put her in there because she was pregnant? 
how many people know about how Emmett Till's mom felt afterwards since they literally just shipped the body to her. And so I thought I want to focus on people that aren't well known and thought of very often. What happens during the performance? So we're, we're, you know, February 12th. Um, What are you doing during the actual performance? I was moving equipment. I was doing props. I was making sure that everything was going well because a good director in my mind doesn't just sit back. They are willing to be a part of the action, able to move the equipment, knows where everything is and doesn't just wait for it to happen. Was there a moment you know, at the at the performance is complete and you're, you're sort of coming to the end of the night. Was there a moment where you got to sort of take it in and, and be satisfied and sort of look around and say, like, I brought this to life? Or is that something that you were kind of still was in the back of your mind because you were still focused on the on the play, on the musical? It hit me about midnight after the performance. I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, oh, my gosh, I am done. I am finished with this. And I don't know what I'm going to do now because I spent so much time on it that the fact that it's finished just blew my mind. Well, it's finished, but that doesn't mean it's gone, right? You know, it's, oh, no. it's going to live forever in a lot of ways. It'll come with me to grad school and be fleshed out. Yes, and it should um, because, like I said, senior capstone project, um, it means different things to different majors. And I think in this case, it doesn't necessarily do it justice. Imagine just being like, hey, write a musical, you know, and then taking on this kind of subject matter. Um, is a challenge in of itself. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more. It's February. It's Black History Month. The timing of this, so I'm sure that's intentional too, or is that just how it happened? It was intentional. I graduate in March, mm-hmm. so I have to do my presentation anyways. So I might as well put it for Black History Month and include everybody. Touch on why the presentation happening during Black History Month means something. I personally grew up in a very non-black environment. I grew up around just same people. Black history isn't incorporated very much. Even when I talked to my parents about it, it wasn't really brought up too much because they were very academically focused. Do your homework and we'll talk about it later. So the fact that I had the opportunity to look into my own history, I thought this would be amazing. And so I purposely put it in February for that exact reason, because I was allowed to do it earlier or later, but I didn't want to wait till May because I'd like to graduate now, but I didn't want to do it earlier and it lose some of the significance. That makes sense. That makes sense. And we're going to go a little bit deeper into that. So, um, you know, you talk about sort of the way you grew up, even here at Tech, you know, we're a predominantly white institution. Tell me about what you've seen change, have you seen change since in, in your time here, in the years that you've been here, and sort of the things you'd like to see going forward? I have seen a lot of change from my freshman year till now. Um, one big thing is that my freshman year, when I was in engineering, there were not very many POC students. There's not very many female students in that major. And now, especially after being in OSL, I got to encourage a lot of people to go through with that major. And it's wonderful. A lot of my freshmen will still reach out to me saying, hey, guess what? I got past this class that most people would drop out of. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Let's go out to eat. I have no money, but we're going to go out to eat. It's wonderful to see that change. Because now I get to see all the students that aren't just from Louisiana and Texas and Arkansas and 
Mississippi, because those are the predominantly closest areas. So those are the students that you normally see. So being able to encourage, especially when I get to do outreach to students through the band or through OSL and student recruiting is amazing because I get to influence people to come and make a change on the culture and environment here at Tech. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, you bring up an interesting point and, you know, we talked about you being an OSL and, and that sort of thing. Uh, around this time last year when Laderica and Max and Donovan were on the podcast, um, they all had roles on campus um, as black student leaders, and they sort of talked about what that experience has meant to them and sort of the challenges with that. What has been your experience in your different roles on campus in that sort of black student leader situation? The biggest challenge I've had is getting people to see a different perspective because my experiences are never going to be the same as your experiences. And so being able to see it from my light or my train of thought usually opens up a whole bunch of doors for other people. Going forward, we sort of talked a little bit before the podcast about what your your plans after tech are. What sort of things might you like to see be implemented at the university? I would love to see a couple of new master's degrees. The School of Music used to have one. It was a master's of education for music education majors, and we lost it years ago. And I would love to see it come back, especially since so many people are getting master's degrees now. And while I took a few composition classes, I now want to major in it for my master's. And I would love for us to have that here because Louisiana culture is super important in today's music, especially with jazz and pop and country artists. And so that's just a huge door instead of losing them to going to like Nashville or Austin, Texas. Yeah. And I think, uh, even just in the last few years, we mentioned sort of the newness of your major. Um, the music program has grown. And I think what you said about your major being open-ended and because of that, this project was able to happen indicates that sort of a trend in the right direction. Yes, because I love how most majors are set up and how you have to take this class and this class and this class. But if you're all trained in the exact same thing, how is there going to ever be any diversity in the actual work environment? How is there going to be any creativity in the workforce? How is anybody going to be able to grow in their field of study? Diversity in the music program shows when it comes to capstone projects like this, where you were able to make something that you knew was important and you were able to take the approach to it that you wanted to take. Going back one more time to Rights of the Civil, if somebody who just walked in and happened to see the performance, they didn't know what they were walking into, and they watched it, what's one thing you would want somebody to take away from it? One thing that I would love for people to take away from it is that history happens, and history is there. And we can always look at history not from a bird's eye view, but from a personal view. So when I wrote the musical, I purposely forced the audience to be a part of the action. I had moments where the audience had to boo or the audience is sitting there watching this person get arrested like a bystander because history is constantly happening. And are you going to be a bystander or are you actually going to help influence it? Well, thank you for that. Thank you for being here today. And I know going forward uh, that this creativity is going to take you far. So are there any last words you would like to share with our listeners? Yes. 
always keep an open mind. Open-mindedness is a superpower that people do not see very often. And it's an amazing skill. It's an amazing thought process. And you never know what you're going to learn. It could always be fun. Thanks, Jalea. Um, good luck in the future. Graduation's coming up soon. Yes. You're nervous? Excited? So excited. Excited. Um, well, good luck. Thanks again for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Beyond 1894. Please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about this episode, check out our show notes. Beyond 1894 is produced by Louisiana Tech University's Office of University Communications.